You're listening to Green and Gold, and I'm Haley Fox. If you're new here, welcome. If you want to learn about all things cannabis, you are in the right place. This week, we're talking about weed in the classroom. No, not hiding it in your locker or smoking it in your dorm room, but about the fact that as public understanding of cannabis changes, schools often struggle to keep up. Take medical schools, for example. Cannabis is now a widely recognized alternative treatment for a whole slew of conditions. In many states, doctors can prescribe it. In a handful of others, you don't even need a prescription to use it. But how is it being worked into medical training for future doctors and hospital staff? Are there guidelines dictating how to counsel patients on its use? A 2017 survey published in Drug and Alcohol Dependence reached out to medical school deans, fellows, and residents and found there was a, quote, fundamental mismatch between the state-level legalization of medical marijuana and the lack of preparation of physicians in training to prescribe it. Survey results showed that almost 90% of the residents and fellows' questions said they felt not at all prepared to prescribe the drug, and more than 35% didn't even feel comfortable answering questions about it. In addition to guiding future doctors on its use, what about the larger implications of widespread cannabis? How do we teach students about things like how it may affect the U.S.'s economy, and what does its history say about how America views the drug? According to a Forbes story from 2017, schools including UC Davis, University of Washington, and Ohio State University offered classes covering more general interest topics related to cannabis, like legal issues related to weed and the biology of the plant. There are also a growing number of cannabis-centric trade and specialty schools popping up, not to mention the country's very first cannabis college, Oaksterdam University. Some more mainstream schools seem to be taking the most amount of interest in cannabis when it comes to research. Take UCLA, for example, which launched the Cannabis Research Initiative, one of the first academic programs focused on investigating the health risks and rewards of cannabis. It's for all these reasons, and a lot more we can't fit in a 30-minute podcast, why today we're talking to Eugenio Castro Garza, co-founder of UCLA's own Canna Club, a student-run organization that aims to connect students with jobs in the legal cannabis industry, while also addressing wider misconceptions surrounding the drug. In fact, Castro had an internship at UCLA's research initiative. I first met him while reporting a story on Canna Club for the website LA Taco. Castro's no ordinary student. He decided to move from Mexico to California specifically to study cannabis legalization and learn how to enter the legal industry. Then he plans to bring this education back to his home state. But enough from me, here's Castro. When I got to UCLA, it seemed pretty obvious that there was a very far-reaching conversation about cannabis. 2018 became recreationally legal, so even more so. That was my second quarter at UCLA uh, at the beginning of 2018. And it just sort of seemed that there had to be something at school to formally represent it or maybe be like the center for the conversation. So it just seemed kind of necessary for it to be a a club, uh, a resource for education, a place where students could go and meet other like-minded students, a place that would connect students with opportunities in the industry so that's, those were sort of the premises behind Canna Club, and that's why I started it. And so, so we now reduced our mission to 
connect students with opportunities in the industry and spread objective education about cannabis. And so basically everything that we do somehow ties back to those two mission statements. And um, for example, last quarter, um, as you know, we had the um, Cannabis 101 course, which has so far been our most concrete uh, effort to um, to execute our mission of spreading education. And, and um, so really quick, just to jump yeah. in, because um, Cannabis 101 for people um, who don't know, right. um, can you just tell them kind of what it was and yeah. you know some of that some of the highlights yeah so last summer i uh, we put together um the cannabis 101 course um offered by Canna club a course by students for students we coordinated with five different professionals so that each would come and give a class on their own specific subject so uh usually we go, we go by the quarter system so it's 10 weeks and so we had one class every other week for a to- total of five classes and each class dealt with a different subject. Our our first class, the most popular class, cannabis science, was taught by Dr. Jeff Chen from the Cannabis Research Initiative, and so that was just a one-hour crash course on cannabis science. And then we had cannabis regulations, which was the same model, well, an expert giving a one-hour crash course on cannabis regulations, and then industry and responsible use. Originally, you guys had like 30 to 40 kind of regular members, like people coming to these classes, but you had also like developed a much longer email list and like social right. media list of people. Is that right? Like, yeah. what's the scope of Canna Club right now? So when we started, it was just uh, a few people, basically uh, me and 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 the other, the other co-founders and our respective social networks. So whoever we knew, we would tell and whoever was interested would come. At the beginning of every school year, we have the enormous activities fair, which is basically when all the clubs go on 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 campus and have their own booths. We had our stand, and of course, we we drew attention because we were a cannabis club. Yeah, so, people were uh, like, "Yes, I would like to join that club." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, precisely. And, and but we we get the same reaction almost all the time, uh, except from sort of students who are more educated who are were already interested in this beforehand in cannabis and, and its potential and everything but it's always just the laugh of oh it's a cannabis club what are you guys trying to do are you guys messing around but it's it's really cool to see how people are sort of like smiling in in a sort of not making fun but just like laughing about it but then when the second you sort of um set down set the tone and sort of explain what the club is about education uh connecting students with opportunities um, ending the stigma, all that, their face just sort of, I mean, they're still smiling, but it just comes, it just becomes serious, and they're like, oh, damn, this is, this is actually really cool, so yeah, that day, we got a, a bunch of emails, um, a lot of phone numbers, we have a, a big group meet with, with, with about 300 students, and yeah, that day was huge for us, growing our base, and it'll happen again next year, me and uh, three other officers, we each talked to about like 200 people a day so mm-hmm. we met a lot of faces that's awesome yeah it was a lot of fun and did you before we um kind of get further into your guys mission at ucla and future and all that you chose specifically to apply to school in california and come here because of legalization so um i was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about growing up in mexico how this kind of impacted your decision to pursue this path and kind of how you end up making the decision that this is something you want to do because it's a it's a it's a big move and a big kind of life change that I know came with yeah. um, some resistance that we can get into yeah, <laughs> later sure, also yeah. <laughs> yeah I have another update on that actually um, <laughs> so yeah growing up in Mexico 
especially when I became a teenager. So and you grew up in Cancun, right? Yeah, in Cancun, mm-hmm. uh, the crown jewel of Mexican tourism, <laughs> but still um, was affected by the violence created directly by the war on drugs. And for me, just seeing that, um, it always brought the question to mind of what what is actually going on? Why does it seem to not end? Um, why does it seem that the more the government gets close to their mission, which is to capture bad guys, put them away, there just seems to be more and more violence. It just didn't make sense. It's just more violence, creating more violence. But everyone seemed to go along with it. Everyone thought it was just not there was not a solution because there's always going to be a demand for for drugs so it just seemed like a never-ending a never-ending problem and uh with no solution so so that just captivated me and then 2014 2015 2016 started coming along with colorado going legal and and then seeing i was i saw it on the news and that sort of drew my attention um and then started going on YouTube, started going on the internet, started having access to information I wouldn't have had access to otherwise, and started learning about the medical benefits, which blew me away because I was raised um, with the belief, with the idea, with the um, that cannabis is absolutely no medical benefit, and if you smoke, you're a loser. Um, if you consume it, it's 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 a death trap. So um so then I saw this and I was like what what <laughs> so I started looking more into it um started seeing the other benefits job creation tax collection so it just seemed that if all that good stuff was happening up in Colorado and the other states that would that that went legal eventually why wouldn't that same model work in Mexico and besides that sort of the what they did for me what made cannabis my sort of main interest or passion just seeing this statistic once that 30% of the money that cartels make come from Mexican cartels make comes from cannabis. And um, just sort of thinking that it's with the money that they're making from selling this plant, which can have a net positive impact on society, which is really making the money selling that, that um, with that money it is that they're, they're buying the, the bullets that are ultimately ending up in the bodies of the people that are being killed by them so it just it just seemed um kind of ridiculous and kind of sad that 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 they they were taking advantage of that fact mm-hmm. and um so that's sort of for me that's why I, I sort of come at this from the angle of reducing drug violence and honestly I don't know if it's gonna work I mean the theory is yeah you say it goes fully legal in Mexico which it will be soon and fully re- uh, regulated and and it's completely off the hands of the cartels well in theory for me that would mean that they have 30% less money, mm-hmm. so 30% less power. So maybe some sort of reduction in violence. And um, so that's 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 my that's my belief. That's what I hope for. I mean, if that doesn't work, then we still get all the other benefits of people having the medical access, thousands of jobs being created, and a lot of tax money being collected, mm-hmm. and just the sake of personal rights. But yeah, so that's that's sort of where I that's what growing up in Mexico sort of gave me gave me that perspective and were your parents i'm curious you know did the um this idea of it just being you know 100 percent bad and you're a loser and like weed use was off the table did that come from your parents because they really believe that or because 
because of the cartel's involvement and the danger associated with it they didn't want you anywhere near it or kind of like what was you know did they ever kind of explain to you why so um it being associated uh, cannabis being associated with the cartels and it being uh, a danger of interacting with the cartels was really just a secondary thing for them the primary thing that sort of scared them was just sort of this social stigma against the plant coupled with that also personal experiences of having people close to them suffer from addiction and if you look at it superficially of course the first drug they're going to try after alcohol of course is cannabis because it's just the most available one and them seeing that as the reason why people dive into addiction why people jump to other drugs which is obviously not the case as science has shown and but they see it they see it as a cause right they see it as the reason why people go down these negative ne- very negative um negative paths yeah so the idea of like the gateway drug that right everyone used to talk about it yeah. right that and just it being socially unacceptable mm-hmm. i mean i guess for that reason this was when i was growing up and it's not like a they were uh, different for thinking that pretty much everyone in mexico thinks that and mm-hmm. in most conservative countries in 2008 seven percent of the mexican population was in favor of legalization the rest was against so that's pretty much oh everyone. wow that's a huge uh, transition <laughs> yeah. to now where they're yeah. getting much closer i know but it's still i mean last poll i saw maybe one or two years ago or well like three or four it was like 33 percent for which is a big jump from 20 to 2008 but it's still a long way to go but it's it's gonna become legal and so did you, um, I can't remember because I know you had a story about when your parents found out you smoked weed, Yeah. but was that the first time? And can you tell us about that? Because I know right. like, obviously, I don't want to say a lot of people and I don't want to put myself out here, but like a lot of people in the States tried weed what, from like a younger age or as yeah. a teenager in high school. So I'm curious for you when the first time you tried it was and how you decided like, okay, yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. Right. It's actually one of the most memorable days of my life <laughs> oh really yeah yeah absolutely um and honestly it's just a, that was a direct motivator for me deciding i mean besides the other stuff just having the personal experience was huge in um pushing me to want to come to california and get involved with the plant somehow i was starting my senior year of high school and yeah with a friend who had been a stoner for a long time <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah he said you want to try it and i said uh yeah <laughs> and we uh we of course we smoked out of an apple in um old school <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and yeah i remember not feeling anything um for the first couple of minutes and then i walked out of the car and i walked back into the car and i just felt sort of a like i was in a movie sort of the upper and lower lower frames just sort of closed down and sort of like a whoop feeling that I will never forget. <laughs> and then you started playing Tame Impala. And um and yeah, the rest the rest was it was a great experience. And more so than that of, of it just being like pleasurable in the moment. It was very striking for me to um it was one of those moments of sort of like coming coming of age moments when you realize that not everything that you were told growing up is necessarily true. And it tore down walls that had defined my perspective for for a long time because it was not just oh my parents are wrong about cannabis it's like my parents and maybe society in general and other people that i look up to don't really have everything figured out as i thought and i guess that's something everyone realizes when when they're growing up and when they're becoming adults but for me cannabis and trying cannabis was was a big part in that 
once everything broke open for you and you realized like, wow, all of these notions I had about cannabis might not be right and you decide to, you know, come to California, how did you broach that with your parents? Like, how did you make that your actual goal and then do it? Because, I mean, getting into UCLA, period, is really hard. (laughs) It's really difficult. And you made the decision to move to California and go after the school. So what was that whole process with your family like? So coming to California, so when I got caught, um, they they called me because I was in another country. I was traveling. Oh, yeah. So the time you got (laughs) caught was not the first time. Yeah, no, no, not the first time I tried it. This it was, was, will you tell it, us when, how you got right, caught again? so it was um, my three best friends and I, we went on a trip. One of my friends left his computer and left a, and on his computer, he left a picture of the three of us. I mean, the four of us uh, smoking a little, a little joint of brown Mexican weed <laughs> <laughs> on the beach. Uh, his mom saw it, freaked out, told our parents. So my... So my, you were a senior in high school yeah, at this time? Yeah, I, okay. I already graduated. Yeah, this was sort of our, our graduation trip that, that we were were on. So on the fourth day of this 40-day-long trip, my dad calls me and tells me he saw the picture and and he and saying how disappointed and angry he was and that my mom was going crazy and saying that I wasn't going to go to UCLA anymore and telling me to uh, find a ticket and come home as soon as possible. So it took me 50 hours from that call to get back home where were you guys uh thailand oh okay oh my god <laughs> yeah we're Dude. backpacking we're backpacking southeast asia yeah best itinerary ever got ruined <laughs> my freaking picture how long <laughs> how long into your trip were you and you For like four days yeah no yeah yeah it was oh the very beginning my god. Yeah. yeah it sucked uh so the, the i mean more than the picture because my parents even though they're very against it they're still more open-minded that my friend's mom who caught him. Uh-huh. She uh, she just came up with this whole narrative in her head, um, which was, I guess, inspired by the pictures, but not defined by the pictures because she just started thinking that we were doing all this stuff, that we were selling it, <laughs> that we were... Yeah, she just assumed the worst, right? And she, she told her assumptions to our parents as if they were reality. So, I mean, when I came back, it honestly just took me, took me um, a good conversation to calm them down to uh, get them to their senses but uh, but yeah the trip was ruined and then they also in that conversation my dad said I'm not gonna spoil your opportunity to go to UCLA so yeah so I we never really talked about it again until after I started Canada Club which I started February so spring break when I went back at the end of the quarter I really want to talk to them about it because I had pretty much dedicated my whole quarter to it and I mean if they were sending me to school I would and I, I mean, I love my parents, even though I don't share a lot of their uh, their ideas. But but I wanted to um, just share what I'm doing with my time, right? What what yeah. uh, what my life is like. So I made um, uh, a PowerPoint presentation, twenty slides, and just wow. uh, sort of uh, yeah. My mom was staring at me throughout the whole time. She didn't even look at the slides. But um, <laughs> yeah, just sort of explaining uh, what the club is, what the uh, purpose is, what I had done so far. And so the doors, it opened for me on a personal level because at the end of the day, that's sort of what they care about the most, sort of what my future holds. And I was trying to make explain to them how doing this work in the club, getting involved with my um, uh, internship at the Cannabis Research Initiative and sort of uh, networking all that stuff, how it, um, it would open doors for my future that wouldn't be open otherwise and how it's something that I really care about and something that has a lot of potential. Um, so yeah, they, my dad supported it cause he's sort of entrepreneurial minded. So he saw the, uh, the benefit, 
Uh, my mom, not so much, though, but at the end, I mean, now she does. Before we get back to UCLA, I know you had talked before about kind of coming to UCLA, learning as much as you can, working on this club, getting into the industry, and then maybe eventually someday bringing a lot of this knowledge back to Mexico. Um, and I was wondering kind of in your dream layout, kind of how that would work and what right. you would do um, in Mexico to kind of use all of the training and studies that you're going to have here over the next few years at least. Right. So, um, I mean, what, what I thought originally was I was going to come to school here, focus my undergrad studies on cannabis. I mean, my extracurriculars, I guess. Um, and then work in the U.S. And then by the time, a couple of years after I had been working in the U.S., it would start becoming legal in Mexico. But the thing is that it's already becoming legal. The The Congress is actually reviewing a bill right now to fully regulate it and allow for... I'm not sure about importation uh, and exportation, but but for um, but creating a regulated industry licenses, all mm-hmm. that. So I mean, it's already happening. So I'm 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 not gonna say I'm late. I think I'm I'm still. I mean, whatever time it is, I'm still gonna sort of I guess hopefully find find my my spot. But it's not gonna be as I thought. Sort of this guy who comes from the U.S. with experience and uh, wants to get involved with the legislation because it's already being decided right now. I think what's probably going to end up happening, ideally, is um, I go back there and sort of start my own thing. And if that doesn't happen for whatever reason, I would be employed by, um, probably, I mean, I'm the, I talked to some headhunters in the cannabis industry that sort of said that this was sort of what would work with my background, speaking Spanish, English, sort of working as a representative of a Canadian cannabis company and sort of being the representative in Mexico. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I would love that. That would be really cool because it's sort of working in both places, uh, Canada, Mexico, and probably the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because, so I mean, be... a lot of people think that even, like, you know, U.S. federal legalization is not that far off. Right. And once that happens, then the international trade is, like, right, yeah. one step behind that. Yeah, so... it's probably going to be added to NAFTA. Yeah. <laughs> As uh, our former president suggested, President Fox. Dude, that is exciting. Yeah. So it's maybe not exactly what you anticipated, but right. I mean. But it's still, it's still, it's still great. It's still huge. Yeah. And so at UCLA, um, you know, in its first, so Canna Club has been in existence for almost a year now, mm-hmm. and the first year was you guys did the Cannabis One Hundred and One Education Series and meetings, um, but it wasn't for academic credits. Right. But that's something you said you're working on for next year, right. hopefully, yeah, yeah, or. Yeah, yeah. So uh, spring quarter, we're going to have a, a two-unit class, which is not a full class, but it's not, it's not um, I mean, one unit is the minimum. So this is going to be two units. So it's probably going to be two hours a week. Um, and most classes are what, like four yeah, units? Yeah, four okay. or five. So yeah, this would be focused on cannabis regulations. And it's actually going to be taught by Brad Rowe. He, he's going to be the, because he's, he's, um, oh, cool. he's faculty at UCLA. So he's um, the sort of our guy. Or go-to guy. And is it going to be like a history class or a, regulations? Like, so, so sort of going that. going over current regulations, uh, everywhere Brad has worked and every, well, his sort of knowledge and expertise. And so yeah. the idea for the class then is um, almost more of like a trade school, like people who want to go into the industry who actually want to learn. Right. Yeah. It's. I mean, I. I 
obviously open for anyone but yeah probably the people are gonna end up signing up are people who are somehow interested and want to get involved so yeah kind of like a a trade school offering um and then down the line hopefully a full four or five unit class i mean the, the goal is to have a comprehensive class and sort of sort of like our cannabis one-on-one course but at school so it's not just focused on one thing so maybe we have a couple sections and then maybe the f- first two or three weeks are just science and then the next couple weeks are regulation law and then the last weeks are history or something like that mm. so somewhere where we can include everything it would be that's going to take more time because it would be several professors obviously gotcha yeah yeah can you tell me a little bit about like what type of companies or people you've connected with so far actually in the industry in LA and like is there internships or kind of how does this translate into um, you know people actually working right. students working in the industry so um, on our website we sort of collaborate with this tech startup called Paragon yeah it's basically a recruiting platform specifically for the industry okay so students can go there in, in our website and, and find jobs through there uh, what we also do, we, we have companies reach out specifically to us or send me a message. And then I ask for a job description or um, or an internship description. And then we post it to the Facebook group. We're getting internships from medical genomics and a couple other companies. So not just like uh, not just like dispensaries looking for bud tenders. It's like, like yeah. you said, like tech startups and recruiters and like all different aspects of right, the industry. Yeah, yeah we... Um, we actually, I mean, people have posted on the group um, uh, uh, dispensary positions, but us directly, we haven't shared any because we just haven't been approached by mm-hmm. dispensaries. Because, yeah, you have to be 21, right? To, uh, and most of our members oh, yeah, are under 21, yeah. Was there anything when you started at UCLA and like really started immersing yourself in the cannabis industry here that kind of took you by surprise like your preconception of moving here and getting involved in this industry and working in it has that matched up with what your experience has been so far yeah absolutely i think at first i took everyone uh, very seriously i thought everyone that i met was sort of a a great sort of a person <laughs> but then i quickly found out that there's a lot of a lot of bs Oh, everyone you met in the industry. Yeah, yeah, in mm-hmm. the industry. And just, uh, yeah, just uh, anyone that was like, oh, I'm in cannabis. I was like, damn, you, you're a hero. But then I quickly realized that's not the case and that there's there's a lot of BS, just like in anything, obviously. So it's just a life skill, honestly, to learn how to separate the um, the non-BS from the BS. And, and yeah, realize that there's a lot of people just sort of seeing this as like a hot thing, trending thing, just trying to ride the wave and do something cool. And there's you sort of have to um, sharpen your eye and be able to identify the people that are in it for the long run mm-hmm. that actually care and that will have an impact. And I'm not saying judge people or anything. I'm just saying that with my experience, sort of going to networking events, these kinds of things. Yeah. Where I was like, damn, you're really cool. And then I would find out that, I mean, just by my interactions with them, that that was not necessarily the case so that definitely took me by surprise but i mean that's just a life skill i'm gonna say and i think that's a lesson that a lot of people in the cannabis industry are still learning so you're probably like way ahead of it because i think that's one of the biggest difficulties with people getting into the business is sorting through like who's means what they say and who has like you know who has good intentions and i mean even people i talk to now who've been working in cannabis for decades have had like 
awful relationships, you know, come and go because it's hard to find those people. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's totally understandable. Um, And then actually one more quick thing. When I went to visit Canada Club and I got to go to one of your 101 classes, um, it looked like the cross-section of students there were pretty diverse in terms of, I mean, in terms of superficially appearance, but also their majors and backgrounds. And I'm curious if that's the case for Canada Club in general. Like, can you tell us a little bit about the demographics, like what type of students are involved or, you know, majors or backgrounds or anything like that? Yeah. Um, We've had people from all over. We've had everything from international kids who just see this as very interesting because there's it's such a contrast from their home countries usually the way we're sort of treating things here there being a canvas club on campus um a lot of sort of i mean i'm not sure if we can call them pre-meds because they're most of them are like uh, sophomores or freshmen but just kids interested in, in biology and science in that aspect sort of seeking to learn more about the um health effects, the uh, the benefits, the harms, just wanting to know the, the actual science behind the plant and whatever uh, research there's out there. Then um, one of our officers and a couple other kids, sort of pre-law, you would say, so interested in the regulations, the law, what's happening. And then most recently, um, I've had a couple of sort of, I don't know, you've called them maybe student entrepreneurs, just kids who are very energetic and want to make things happen and coming out to the meetings, uh, meeting meeting with me, meeting with the other officers to sort of get a sense of the cannabis space. Social justice kids, for sure. Um, so kids who see this from a social justice perspective and want to get involved and are all about like equity, reparations, and yeah. And so a super big cross-section, it yeah, sounds like. Yeah, yeah all, all sorts of perspectives, for sure. And also kids who are who never tell their parents that they're going to a cannabis meeting, but just, I guess, and I could relate to that, just having their parents be so against it, just wanting to sort of see it for themselves mm-hmm. and, and coming out and, and coming to the meetings. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. You, it was Haley. really nice to talk to you. And um, yeah, I think what you guys are doing is great. Thank you. That was Eugenio Castro Garza. And you can check out the story I wrote about him and Canna Club for the website LA Taco by clicking the link in our show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Please take two seconds to head to iTunes and mash that subscribe button. And while you're at it, give us a rating and leave us a review. You can also hit me up directly on Twitter at EPFox or Instagram at Penny underscore Gadget. This has been a Table Cakes podcast. Table Cakes Productions is a woman-owned LA-based company, and you can support Green and Gold and all the other amazing Table Cakes shows by heading to patreon.com backslash Table Cakes. All right, until next week, buds.